Oh, this is awesome. <laughs> Nothing. No. I got you. I can hear you just fine. Oh, this is fantastic. Well, I heard okay. something back there. There we go. There you are. Gotcha. All right. I had to change something there in, in Discord. Awesome. Twitch live edition of the HLS podcast here after the blue and gold game. I am your host, Ryan Ritter. You can call me ND Tex. And of course, you can also follow our podcast over on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Podbean. And of course, you can always find us at our home at HerLoyalSons.com. Come join us at Discord, HerLoyalSons.com slash Discord is how you can reach us there. And of course, at Twitch, Twitch.tv slash HerLoyalSons is where you can catch us live if you wish. With that being said i am joined as always by shane shane how you doing good to see your face again sir same same good to see you uh, it's good to be back man uh, i'm good how are you i it has been i've been having that itch that it's like man it's been a long time since we've talked yeah. about football or anything along those lines and the great part is i've enjoyed the break i needed the break because i starting another job i know you were moving too so doing all yeah. of that that's been a lot on both of our plates so it's just kind of like i don't know did the blue and gold game sneak up on you because it sure as hell stuck up on me it, felt like. it snuck up on me and i feel like it never actually like set i was i remember watching the game earlier today and just kind of feeling like oh yeah this is football i forgot <laughs> i mean it's something like football it's a practice so we're gonna we're gonna mm-hmm. analyze it as much as we possibly can for what is essentially a glorified practice game uh yeah. so just fyi for those of you that are on the twitch stream the reason to come to twitch you will actually see we've revamped it from the pilot you're getting if you're on twitch right now you are seeing what will be our new logo that i was able to cook up so you got that going we're also going to have uh, over towards uh, the what will be, I guess, screen right. Is is that how we would define it here on Twitch? I guess. Maybe. <laughs> it makes sense to me. Uh, but we have kind of like a little outline of what we're doing. So if you do come by Twitch and you're wanting to check out where we were, we got an arrow or we're going to have something that will point to what we are in each segment. And we're going to have uh, some things overlaid as well. So there will be some visual aids, some box scores up. And we're going to be, t- you see on the outline, we're going to be talking about the shirt. So the shirt will be up there. Uh, but we're going to keep tinkering with stuff uh, on Twitch. Uh, nice, fun new medium. I'm looking forward to uh, having it as well as the podcast. Uh, but let's go ahead and, and kick right into it here, Shane, because there, there was a bit of news that happened around here. And the biggest one, yep. uh, apparently, we're going to play Bama when we're 40. <laughs> when we are all literally in our 40s. And it's, it's both depressing and exciting, I suppose. Um, I guess it's fine. I mean, I, I never really know what to make about scheduling announcements because I don't know. I mean, I just think of it as like, yeah, well, I'll worry about those future opponents when the time comes. But, you know, we all, everyone, everyone says the, the, we want Bama joke, even, even though literally nobody wants Bama, but um, <laughs> hopefully at this point, at that point, 10 years from now, uh, the landscape will be good enough that uh, we, we won't be sitting there dreading. Well, how does, how does, how does deal with the season that starts? Oh, and one, 
Right, exactly. And because both of these games, the way they're set, uh, the, the, it's going to start at South Bend, which it's a rarity that, I mean, really as far as prestige and as far north that I can compare it to is when Alabama recently went up to Penn State not too long ago. Uh, so mm-hmm. that will be in 2028. That will be the first leg of this series. We'll be in South Bend at Notre Dame Stadium, September 2nd, 2028, which is it's weird because I'm like, oh, I could take both my kids to that game for sure because they will be old enough. Uh, and then it will be the first time Notre Dame will ever be in Tuscaloosa. They have played Alabama before, but they were not in uh, Bryant Dating Stadium at that point in time. Right. So uh, that will be in 2029. I mean, it's cool that the prestige is there. I really hope Saban's retired. I mean, if that, <laughs> that's, that's the ultimate hope. If that robot is still coaching and is still pulling off an Alabama dynasty in 2028 and 2029, yeah, college football's geez. become awful. I mean, let, let's. It would have been boring at that point. It cannot be good if he's still the head coach of Alabama. No, but you know, again, it, it, it is it is a continuation of, I guess, the um, adaptations of the schedule. It is a good sign, at least. You know, like it, it started with uh, it doesn't start with, but you know, we included Georgia last year. Things things hopefully will continue to incline themselves towards like playing, you know, perennial top tier programs. I, I have no problem with it. Um, in fact, I, I it's more so like less than a, a facetious bring on Bama or we want Bama. It's more so just uh, I'm I'm excited to see them play top flight uh, opponents year in, year out. Yeah, that, that is the bonus is that you can see at least the schedule, the way it's being laid out. Uh, you know, we're, we're gunning for, I mean, the prestige is there. I mean, let, let's be frank. We have no idea who the head coach of either team is going to be at this time. Right. Notre Dame could be in a downswing or an upswing. Alabama could be in a downswing or an upswing. As, as great as Alabama has been, it's very easy to forget that before Saban came on board, they were mediocre at best. And that's actually being yeah. generous for Alabama. I know a lot of people like you know talk about Notre Dame you know kind of having mediocre success it was bad down in Tuscaloosa before Saban went down there so uh I mean I'm excited for it Uh, again it is such a long time away but I am happy to see Notre Dame swinging for the fences it is nice uh so with that out of the way there is one thing that will I mean college football at large is going to change a little bit uh because the kickoff rule is changing and it's weird the way they did it because I almost would have rather have them eliminated kickoffs because here here's the deal with the new kickoff rule now if there is a kickoff and the ball lands or or rather it is received somewhere at the 25 yard line towards the end zone you can fair catch and it is essentially a touchback thus eliminating the pooch kick strategy so that way you can't really corner kick it on somebody's one and then hope you are able to return it now it doesn't mean kickoffs are illegal at that point but now if you're fielding a ball at say the 20 yard line do you fair catch it for the five or do you actually say this is a really short kick i should return this it really puts the advantage on the receiving team it seems to be like if if a kicker is not trying to kick it out of the end zone every single time by now i would be shocked because it makes no sense otherwise shane how do you feel about this very very odd change to the college football landscape it's it's one of those things where it's like you can see that it was it's rooted in the interest of safety again um and they kind of keep finding different avenues and and ways to get around the notion of of player risk when it comes to kickoffs because again regarded as the most dangerous play etc cetera, etc cetera. but it, it does seem weird it's it it kind of just makes the uh, that 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 25 to to the to the goal line area seem like a weird no man zone um 
it's it's really going to be interesting, I guess, to see like what the five yard brackets are that motivate different decision making. You know, like it's really only going to that's really the only thing I can see changing things is that if you catch it, maybe let's say you you you're inclined to fair catch it at the twenty, right? Do you do you hesitate for a second? Does it is that going to cost players uh, in decision making in the moment? Are they going to lose focus because are they are they panicking to adjust is am i in position to make a fair catch or not it's different to run all the way out that far like once you're in the end zone you know you're in the end zone it's easy to call a fair catch and drop it but right i feel like that's, that's really the only major repercussion i see is kind of like that receiving team chaos it is advantageous in the in the grand scheme of things in that really no matter where in there they catch it they can start at the 25 but uh, it does kind of also speak to like maybe that's the justification maybe there is going to be some um, hesitation, confusion, or, you know, just a lack of situational awareness is going to play a factor. Yeah. But I mean, what this doesn't stop though. And, uh, Michael Felder, uh, on Twitter uh, at in the bleachers pointed out that, you know, yes, you could see that it's based in safety, but the problem mm-hmm. is, is that until that fair catch is made until somebody kneels down for a touchback, you still have the collisions all the way up and down the field for people blocking. Yeah. So it's almost like if you're really trying to do it, I, I guess they, they try to feel like this this was the the compromise, and it just seems weird that you know you might as well just. I mean, well, shit, we just we'll watched a, we just watched a football game with no kickoffs. Everybody yeah. is fine with it, so it, it does take away an exciting element of the game. And of course, as Notre Dame fans, we have Rocket Ishmael and those incredible highlights. Uh, right. But recently. Let's be honest here. Let's be real about it. Recently, have we kickoff returns have been an adventure? Yeah. <laughs> so if they were to yeah, if they were to disappear. I would not be overly disappointed. I mean, yes, it is. It does kind of suck that it does take something Mm -hmm. away, but I feel like it's only a matter of time at this point. If you're willing to make this rule, it's going to happen at some time. So look, look, NCAA rip the bandaid off rules committee. Whoever's responsible for this, just, just go for it. Just go ahead and take them off. If we're already going to go down this road, let's let's, let's just get on with it. All right. So Shane, you ready to talk Mm -hmm. some fashion? Oh, am I ever? I always am. <laughs> All right. So uh, we got a picture of the shirt up here now on twitch.tv slash her little sons. Uh, so uh, Shane, your thoughts on it? Because I saw on Twitter that uh, you did not hate this thing. Kelly green shirts. So hot right now. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I like it. I like the color. See, that's, I mean, not to oversimplify, but I feel like if you fuck up the color, you pretty much fuck up the whole thing. Right. Right. Um, So it doesn't really matter what else is on it after the color sucks. Um, So that was the first starting point. I didn't hate that. Now, upon further examination, there are some details that I look at and say, why is that there? Um, (laughs) And and this was discussed already on Twitter, but in particular on the front of the shirt, the little nod to Indy Stadium. um, I describe this on Twitter as it looks like lost clip art from Windows 98. (laughs) You know? It doesn't, and they just threw the text over, right? I mean, it doesn't really show anything. It, this could be literally any part of any football or, or really sports venue in general. So it doesn't really seem like it has much of a place there. Um, and then the size of the graphic on the back, I think, is a little bit, I don't know. It's It, it kind of strikes me as, as unbalanced. It doesn't really seem like it it does the shirt a lot of justice the rest i don't mind i like i don't mind the left shoulder um i don't mind the fighting irish the football 2018 even the no breaking point which to me makes doesn't really mean anything that doesn't necessarily bother me as much as the size of the graphic and again the uh university of notre dame stadium nod if you want to call it that on the front 
Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, right now I'm wearing the Shamrock series, you know, what mm-hmm. what they defined as the, the Shamrock or Kelly Green there. As you can see, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, I'm not in like great studio lighting here, but the, the green that I'm wearing is a completely different shade than than what this is. And, and the image that we have up right now is what basically was disseminated on Twitter all over the place, you know, that every yeah. single account got the official release from Notre Dame. So it's a little bit darker. I like it. Kelly Green pops on camera. And really, that's that's the big basic point for me. I was really on board with what Irish Elvis had on her little sons of the thing needs to be green. Yes, the colors are blue and gold. But look, Auburn comes out in orange with all their fans. And yes, orange is in their color scheme. But mm-hmm. their main color is blue. Blue and white is their main color. And, you know, not everybody is going to have, you know, the the color scheme perfectly matching. You need it to pop on TV. Uh, and Kelly Green does that better than any other shade of blue that we could actually do. And, it, yeah. it, it, and look, basketball always does it. And that's what drives me insane oh. is that basketball seems to have figured it out. Women's basketball even has a different. I mean, they have like a neon lime green. And that's become like what the fans wear to identify you as a women's basketball fan. You know that, hey, yeah. I had this on board before, you know, Arike is sitting here on exactly. Dancing with the Stars, winning national titles and all this kind of stuff. So. I, I really always felt like that kind of identified. And of course I went to school in the tie era. Kelly green was always on the shirt up until Weiss came on board. And then they decided to go with the piss Michigan yellow for some reason. So look, I love green. That's the biggest point because everything else to me is like accessories. The quote is not dumb. It's a nod to Ara, which is fine. And, and obviously, you know, heck we did it last year with the helmet. So now we're, we're continuing the theme yeah, the graphics are always a little too big, but that's yeah. whatever. I, I really don't care. For me, that's the extra stuff I really don't care about because, again, sure. this is for charity, for a good cause. At the end of the day, this is something that should be all over the stands and be easily identifiable. And here's the here's the trick. If you keep this color, it doesn't really matter how stupid the graphic is. You can find the one that you actually like to wear in the future and you're fine. It's when we keep changing the colors that it keeps getting screwed up. So yeah, I'm on board with it. I'll actually, I may end up buying one of these uh, and for the little ones as well, potentially. Uh, Cause it's been a while since there's been a a, a green shirt of this color that I've, I've actually liked. Uh, So, Hey, they didn't screw it up. I'll give them that. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't botch it. <laughs> I mean, I think they learned their yellow lesson because I don't think I don't think that's coming back. But um, or that beige, gold, whatever that <sighs> experiment was. Yeah. yeah, just stop. Unless they're going to do some kind of gold that involves sequins, they shouldn't even try. <laughs> oh God, that would be awesome. Could you imagine? Like seriously, let's imagine the student body out there and like some gold sequins. Gold shirts. That yep. would be absolutely incredible people would lose their minds but that would be the funniest shit ever i would love to see that i would, it would actually be kind of a, it'd be a shocking visual i'll tell you that from the field that'd be that'd be horrifying yeah i mean look we're probably not going to get a flag thrown on us for noise in any near future because let's, let's be honest we got to get that back up uh to to yeah. levels where those were thrown on us back in the 80s but um i could see an official trying to like have a discussion because harbaugh's over there bitching that his quarterback is blinded by the entire student <laughs> section <laughs> because the sun's hitting him just right yeah <laughs> i can't see this excellent. isn't fair <laughs> <laughs> Why can't they be playing like my khakis? <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on. So we're going to get to news from today because uh, yep. while, while 2018 captains, while uh, we knew three of them, 
Uh, one of them was named today, and that was Alex Bars. So your other captains mm-hmm. are Sam Mustafer, uh, punter, and and general all star Tyler Newsom is also on yep. there, and fifth year now linebacker, not even Rover, true linebacker Drew Tranquil is on there. Yep. So we got two people on the offensive line from what if folks that have dug this up on Twitter and the beat are to be believed. The first time in Notre Dame history there have been two captains on the offensive line in two consecutive years, which I thought was a little cool. And honestly, that yep. that kind of maintains with what you hope the idea of the team's going to be that, you know, smash mouth up front. Although I don't know if we really saw that too much in the game, but we'll get to that a little yeah. bit later. Uh, but Shane, any, any general thoughts uh, on captainship or anything like that or holding bars back until today? No, I mean, I, I guess it kind of, kind of slipped my mind that uh, bars was kind of in a position for consideration at this point. Um, I, I don't know that I really had at this point at any point really associated him with, um, the primary leadership group. Um, and there isn't really any particular reason why that's true. Um, I mean, you, you hear about his name um, from, you know, like uh, other podcasts and other other blog sites covering the team throughout the spring and stuff. But it, it didn't necessarily strike me as like a, a, a missing piece. Um, but it was still nice to see because clearly it was important to him. Um, clearly it was important to the team as well that the, the established captain be somebody that they all confide in and they all uh, feel like they can get behind. And he he was the one that was voted on, which is great. But, um, you know, it, it doesn't it still doesn't change the fact that I think this still the most surprising or at least attention grabbing piece of the captaincies remains Tyler Newsom. Um, it's not very common that you see a punter in a position that's. I guess regarded, but and and I guess on on the game today, somebody that, um, Doug Flutie mentioned that he actually garnered seventy percent of the votes. Yeah, which um, is crazy, <laughs> which is insane to me. But uh, good for Alex Bars, obviously. But that's still the one that I kind of look at. I'm like, I'm still interested to see to hear more about that and see how that plays out. Well, yeah, I mean, all, all you can say in that case is that, you know, look, if you handle things in the room, that's really what the captaincy is, is, is who handles things in the room, who handles the business. So a lot of this yeah. is all internal stuff. It's always nice to see who gets the nod be, uh, that gets the C on their chest, because it really tells you it, it gives you as much insight into the locker room culture and, and really do some getting a, a captaincy you know position pretty much says that and not only did he get it it's like 70 plus percent of the team are voting for him so it kind of gives you an insight into the room which yeah. you know have fun digging every way into that it's like well why is there not a quarterback that's garnering that kind of the vote is there a lack of leadership in there <laughs> that a punter's got to be able to grab it uh but but quite frankly i mean the fact that you got two O linemen and you got drew tranquil a fifth year that's been there seemingly forever at this point now and has mm-hmm. excelled as well and you have a main two mainstays on the offensive line um, I mean, it, it, I think that does lend to, you know, this should be a, a tough team. But then again, the punter in there is kind of funny and weird. But hey, look, yeah. if, if Newsom's a badass when he gets onto the field and he is absolutely 100% serious about, you know, whipping these guys into shape, I mean, that's just the kind of shit we don't see on a day to day basis. Uh, yeah. all, all, all we know is, I forget if it was uh, BGI or Irish Illustrated, uh, as I was listening to one of the podcasts, they actually mentioned Barnes was pissed that he didn't get it. So oh, he yeah. worked his way to earning it here and you know achieved it so if that was a little motivational tactic hey Hey. well played i guess because apparently he worked his ass off in the spring to earn it so good for him good for everybody now you want to talk about some practice shane yeah, some uh, some glorified practice, maybe even <laughs> televised practice. Yeah, so the blue gold game was today. Uh, the score existed. Uh, look, anytime, 
exactly. You get a scoring scenario. Like I actually like that they do offense versus defense, and I really wouldn't give a shit if the defense didn't have any scoring. I get why they do it. It's to keep things interesting, to give the sure. defense a little bit something to work for rather than getting beat up on all game long, which they did. Um yeah. So the offense won, and quite frankly, I mean, look, the big story, let's let's be honest, it was how's Brandon Wimbush going to do, right? I mean, was there any other main storyline that you were looking for, Shane, other than that? I mean, I, I was, I guess I was conditioned to be interested in finding out what, what Avery Davis had to show, but only because I was told that, I mean, I wasn't really on my radar. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which was, uh, so yeah, of course. Yeah. And we'll, we'll definitely have to talk about Avery a little bit later, yeah. but I mean, obviously uh, I'm going to bring up the box score here a little bit. So look, I mean, Wimbush had a, himself a good day. I mean, mm-hmm. look, let, let's be clear again. Anything we say, we understand this is a practice. We 100% understand. In fact, the first complaint, that Wimbush had, I looked at that and said he should have been drilled. That probably is a sack yeah. that should have been blown dead. It was a good pass, but there's a lot of that in there, and it's it's hard to evaluate. I even said as much on Twitter. It's like the hardest thing to evaluate is did they blow the whistle too quick? Did they blow? Yeah. It? Did they not blow it soon enough? Because somebody pulled up, they didn't want to hurt Wimbush. Because Wimbush on the day took one sack, and Book took seven. I felt like the refs were were not nearly as generous to Book. Yeah on the sacks. Now, granted, he ran into a lot of those. And, and look, the bottom line for me is Wimbush showed some improvement. He was mm. throwing the ball over the middle. He was making better reads. He was hitting people in stride, which was a yep. big thing he couldn't do before. He completed a swing pass on the run, which we which, couldn't see <laughs> ever. ever, ever. Yeah. Look, I mean, he was 19 for 31. He had one interception, which was bad. And then he came right back and was chucking bombs afterwards. But 341 yards on the day two touchdowns long of 64 and again only took one sack i would think maybe two or three would be in there but the other thing to note is he did not take off running like even on a a called read option it was definitely you're handing the ball off or you're passing i mean shane how did you feel about Wimbush's performance so uh, I felt he did. I felt he did well uh, for what you can assess uh, in, in a spring game. But I think uh, one of the things that I we uh, we went in, or I at least went in, expecting to to look at, and I think it was because it was mentioned on numerous occasions, was the improvement of his footwork over the spring. Um, so that was kind of harped on by Brian Kelly and at and numerous instances when he was actually speaking to the media that his his footwork was vastly improved. Therefore, he had better control over what he was, he was trying to do. His vision was a little bit more steady, stable, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I, I want to say that I didn't, that, that there wasn't anything that really jumped out to me, but the truth is it was noticeable. Um, even on, uh, there were, there were a couple of passes there, even on the, the one big pass to miles Boykin that he juggled a little bit and then, and then, uh, walked in for a touchdown. You could see him get like semi happy feet for a second. Mm-hmm. Like he step, 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 but it was all like in the same exact spot. Like he didn't leave his footing. He just kind of kept trying to like find it, find it, find it, find it. And then he still followed through off of his back foot. Um, so I, that did seem like it gave him more control. It gave him a better sense of like patience in the pocket. Maybe he trusted himself more a little bit. Um, I'd say he had a good day overall. Um, I, you know, yeah, the bad, the pick was a bad, it was a bad read. He thought he had the, the route underneath and he just completely missed seeing it get cut off. Um, but you know, I, I have to say like for, for all the freedom that they gave him, he made, he made it work. Um, so if, if that's a, a sign of things to come, in terms of the progression from last year to this, I'd say I'm excited to see it. And of course, Ian Book, I mean, we're all, first of all, we're all Book Club fans. We all enjoy uh, watching him play. 
Um, but you know, it, it, it's going to create at least an interesting one-two punch if, if if Ian Book never really actually gets to start. Right. Yeah. And and really, one one of the things, especially in regards to Book specifically, is that uh, Book really. I mean, he for I think the first time since North Carolina that you really looked at him was like, yeah, that's a backup. I mean, he didn't do bad, but you looked at him like he's the clear number two. And it was weird that yeah. and the shift and it wasn't just on the broadcast when, you know, Flutie immediately coming out, talking about the relationship of a number one, number two. I mean, Brian Kelly was using some language that made you think they were going that direction. Uh, when Tommy Rees comes out and basically says book has to be perfect to see the field kind of lets you know, it's like, hey, he's exactly in the same situation I was like, he ain't going to mm-hmm. win this job because he has to blow up the doors off and he's not going to do it and then to hear like all the rest of the beat slowly fall in line as well and, and then you see you know the the performance here and it's not like book did bad i mean he went 17 for 30 you know 292 yards uh, again the worst part was he was sacked seven times in this one and yeah. it, it did but, look like uh if you want to talk about happy feet book had it big time he was he was trying to move around he wasn't making the reads as quickly as uh we saw you know perhaps in the citrus bowl uh but he was putting things on target it's one of those things where i look at it is okay if this is exactly how it goes down and Dracovic is going to 100% get the red shirt coming into the fall because he too would have to basically blow the doors off everybody for that to get burned and for him to start as a true freshman. So mm-hmm. if, if that's the way it's going down, it's like, look, we're in a situation to where we're going to give Wimbush the keys. It's obvious that he's the guy because he's yeah. got a lot of other tools that book just simply doesn't have. And should Wimbush, when the lights get bright, when he starts getting hit, when he starts to panic, look, we we got somebody behind that is now a proven commodity. And we actually trust that, you know, maybe he's not going to be the spectacular plays, but he's going to do what needs to be done in this one. At least that's what I came out of this feeling as far as the the quote unquote QB battle, if you will, which I think has got way overblown. There's no battle. There's no (laughs) battle anymore. It is so incredibly clear that there's not a battle at at this point. It's just a matter of laziness trying to it, 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 trying to inspire a narrative. If for anyone who's really coming out and believing that, then it's just a matter of being lazy. But no, I think it's fine. Yeah, and and look, uh, the, I mean, the other thing is, you know, is something that we talked about all last season is what weapons are going to be around to throw the ball to. Yeah. And one of the yep. other interesting narratives was your boy, you know, Chase Claypool is like, well, he just yep. needs to put it together. And lo and behold, who is the lead receiver on the day, Shane? <laughs> he does not need to put it together. That, that's what I didn't really understand. I mean, like, I get that you can't really discern a ton from spring practices and the small viewing windows that you have. But like, I mean, the, in the few things, the few times that highlight videos were shared by different coverage uh, outlets, like you could just see that uh, the, the problem with Chase Claypool in terms of the, the DBs that might line up with him, he's just too strong for him. Like he just, he's just out muscles them. And he proved that he did the exact same thing that he did in a couple of drills during the, uh, the, uh, the, during the actual uh, practice sessions, he caught the ball, was draped in a, in a defender and then just shed him and ran. You know, like, <laughs> that's, that's just what he's been doing. I mean, I, I don't, I know that miles has become kind of this, this go-to guy ever since the, the citrus bowl. And apparently he's, he's really stepped up his leadership um, in the off season, but Chase Claypool still remains to me like the, the, the most dangerous weapon in the receiving core. And I felt like that was proven again today. 
Yeah, and it was weird because I mean he was on uh, for the most part he was on the twos. I mean he was getting a lot of yep. two twos action. Wimbush was still throwing to him as well, but he did not start on the ones, which was yeah. an interesting you know kind of I guess message. But yeah, he's he's got to start because look, look, Boykin definitely has a lot of talent and a lot of skill. He made some great catches. He was the second receiver on the day in terms of yardage. So Claypool mm-hmm. six receptions, one hundred fifty one yards, two touchdowns. One of which was an eighty five yard bomb from Book, which I called it a Stanford special because it really was one to where Crawford, it, it looked like the Stanford game all fucking over again because here's a, it wasn't a lame duck. It wasn't as bad as some of the ones in the Stanford game, but it was thrown up. It was four grabs. It's who wants it more. And like you said, Chase is too damn strong. He's too damn big. And Crawford had no clue where the ball was. And he, nope. he lost before anybody left left the ground and then he could never recover. He falls flat on his face. And even if he had tried to make a tackle, he was gone. gone. So, I mean, he's whatever the coaching staff is seeing, whatever messages they're trying to send, I hope it gets sorted because Chase has got to be on the field. I mean, Boykin yeah. is a, is a hell of a receiver. You know, Michael Young had a good day as well. Chris Fink did did fine as well. Uh, Alize Mack was shown to be a little bit of a weapon as well. It's, hey, it's nice when you actually throw to the freaking tight ends. And yeah. Cole Komet, yeah, <laughs> Cole Komet even got himself some action today. So yeah. the weapons are definitely there. But I think Notre Dame is going to be at its best when we're talking receiving core. Is when you got Boykin and chase lining up uh, alongside each other i just don't yeah, see any other way where that doesn't work out how do you how do you match up against that 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 group yeah that's that's that to me is the ideal situation yeah yeah because like i said it's not only that not only do you have the you know boykin's not exactly small either i mean but he's he's your number one you know you know, I guess prototypical number one type uh, ish. I I don't think he has nearly the amount of talent as some number ones that we've seen here in the past, but he's definitely got plenty. And and then you got Claypool, who's the gigantic, you know, it's the Charlie Weiss theory. Just freaking throw it up to the big guy because most of the corners you see are under six foot anyway. Exactly. Just throw it up higher and see who wins. And yeah. That's exactly what happened. Claypool won. Every, pretty much every single time. If it's a 50-50 ball, the only time he's not going to win is if he doesn't try it all. And look, he did have a bad drop earlier where he jumped up. I mean, at first I was like, oh, maybe that was a good defensive play. Maybe he didn't try hard enough. And then on further review, he just hit him in the chest and he dropped it. Yeah. And everybody had one of those. I think Boinkett even had one of those to where it was a little up. And this was actually a hell of a pass by Wimbush because there was a blitz. He dropped down sidearm flung it out to Boykin and hits Boykin not only in the hands but in stride which was again one of the things that Wimbush you wouldn't have expected him to do before wasn't doing so well before yeah so so yeah I mean there's there's definitely weapons out there uh or you could say uh man uh, the the secondary might need a little bit of work (laughs) (laughs) maybe a little bit I mean it, it it remains to be seen I mean the secondary if anything if any group uh, in the defense is supposed to be I don't know improved or at least remain um, reliable from last season you would expect it to be uh, the secondary to an extent I mean the D line I think would be uh, you you would think so inherently but then with all the shuffling the offices and whatever I think the most uh, stable group would have been the, the secondary but I, I'm not sure if it's basic vanilla defenses that they were showing. I just didn't really see a lot from the defense outside of really the linebacking group. The linebacking group was kind of on fire today. Um, but the DBs kind of seemed like they were, um, I don't know, caught off guard, caught with their pants down before the game. I, I don't know. Yeah, I they mean, they, they were scatterbrained. They faced 63 pass plays 
you know. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. So, uh, and like I said, uh, if we if you want to know what the the breakdown was, uh, fifty eight runs, uh, sixty three passes, and really it looked like in the second half when the running clock was in in play, it looked like there was a more concerted effort. Okay, let's let's run now. Now we we've got all mm-hmm. the passing out of the way. It did seem, you know, not only do the stats show it, but I think it was counterbalanced out by more runs in the second half as it went on. It was clear that this was, let's see what both our quarterbacks got. Let's see what they do here. And let's see. um, And I honestly think they may have been testing the secondary as well uh, to see what they they got. And they need to know, they need to know who do we have at safety. That's going to step up Uh, Aloha. He, he had a great game. (laughs) I'm sold. I'm sold on that dude. Yeah. And now I'm further pissed at the NCAA that they didn't want to play last year because we could have freaking used him. Yeah, secondary. although he might not have been as ready. I, I mean, in fairness, he might not have been as ready in the system last year. But oh, in fairness, it didn't look like the safeties were ready a hell of a lot last nah, season either. So yeah, I would have taken anything really. for an upgrade. Uh, but anyway, let's, let's before we get too further into the defense, let's talk a little bit about the rushing game because it was pretty pedestrian. There was no 33 yeah. trucking out there. Well, I should say it was pedestrian until – Dexter yeah. Williams got loose for a 72 yard freaking run. And, yeah. and man, he just, he, he, again, somebody that needs to get touches for the ball. Uh, Jones Jr. got the start, but you, you just keep looking at Dexter's like, can you learn how to pass protect if that's the thing? That's it. Can, can, it. can we please figure that out? Because he clearly has the explosiveness. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's one of the, again, it's one of those things to where just like Claypool, he's got to be on the field. And look, yeah. I, and there has to be a certain point to where the coach has got to realize that, yes, yeah, you have to be able to do, you know, A through Z. But let's be honest, most of the college teams that you play, this is college football, is lucky if they can get half the alphabet down. So just put your best 11 on the field and just freaking go. And and if you have to start covering up for them by doing rollouts or or doing quicker pass plays or something, then freaking call it. But Dexter's got to be on the field. He he is the lone home run threat. Uh, Jafar Armstrong, though, he he showed a little bit of something, as well as Avery Davis as well. Yeah, Avery Davis is the one that I think. I, I, I mean, you're the obvious things come come with the converted quarterback, right? Being moved into like a you know just a weaponary position. You know, the idea of the you know the double passes and all that stuff. It opens up the trick playbook a little bit more. But his speed apparently is what set him apart. Um, I it, they clearly tried to direct the ball to him a lot in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. So eventually, like two or three plays in, they just kind of shut him down regularly. Um, it didn't seem like there was that they really got a lot of value out of what they were trying to test with him in this game in particular. But supposedly he came on real, real big in the spring that he's supposed to be this uh, game changing weapon uh, on the offense. So we'll see. But I mean, Dexter Williams has to be involved in the game. But but man, it, if it isn't frustrating to still consider the fact that uh, you have to take the coaches at the word. If he has to improve in pass protection, then he has to improve in pass protection because. I mean, if he, if he doesn't get that, the reality is, is any real coach, yes, sometimes they'll just cater to his strengths, but any real coach is really going to see that and still be like, then we can't afford to have you on the field when we need that. You know, which was clearly the Georgia plan. And that that is 100 yeah. percent in hindsight. We know why he never got a single snap, basically. And he was in the yeah. in, in nowhere land against Georgia because, I mean, they were they were already that line was already wrecking havoc all over the place. I mean, you got a first mm-hmm. rounder that got made silly, look silly in the last play of that game, despite playing solid the for the most part. It's just like, look, if we put him out there, he's going to get exposed. We can't do that. Yeah. And and yeah. I, I totally get it. I understand. And yeah, when you hit that top line talent, I get it. But for the most 
most part, look, you got to win the game at some point. Yeah. So I, I'm sure that's what when we see more carries, it's against, I guess, you know, the lesser talent teams. I know that's a I terrible suppose. thing to say, yeah. but it's, yeah. it's the way in college fairness, football yeah. is. There's there's tears yeah. of the way people are in college football. So uh, and again, uh, Avery Davis, um, yes, there w- definitely was a clear concerted effort. Like get him a touch, get him a touch, get him a touch. And not only that, he was only on the twos the whole time. So it was clear yeah. that he was getting work, but he hasn't ramped up all the way to where Wimbush had any kind of rapport with him or anything. No. So smart no. that they didn't force that there. Uh, I definitely think he's someone you're going to see him somewhere in the game as a changeup. If for nothing else, that at one point we're just going to run a trick play just to screw yeah. with everybody down the road, you know, and it may even be against a team that's not that great just to do yeah. it just so you make another defensive coordinator stay up at night. And I would love for nothing more than that to happen against Michigan to where we just pull Harbaugh's pants down at the beginning of the season with the trick play. And now for the rest of the year, everybody's got to worry about us throwing that out of our bag of tricks again, because it's right there. Heck he was two for two today for 26 yards. And, and he jump was. Time. I mean, that, there's what that's what they were that's what they're going to do with him like regardless like right. it's, it's going to happen so it'd be interesting yeah it'd be fun to catch khaki him with his khakis around his ankles <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean there's a lot of fun weapons and look jafar armstrong was fun to watch if for nothing else that i can sit here and find all kinds of aladdin gifts over and over and over again <laughs> it's just too easy it's just too easy yeah. and, and well, rest rest in peace forever hls recap no, missing an opportunity for a, a player named Iago. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it was it was solid. I mean, three hundred and three total rushing yards throughout the game, and again, that is between two squads, so you say about one hundred fifty ish per. And again, mm-hmm. lion's share of that was from one run by Dexter Williams for seventy two yards, uh, and then he had like a, a touchdown run later on in that drive where everybody forgot he was on the field. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to which I <laughs> joked. True. Yeah, I joked. It's like, well, everybody was expecting him to be on the bench. So nobody was looking for his ass. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, um, as I'm scrolling down here on the list, uh, we'll get to defense in a second. Uh, but I'm sitting here. I, I happen to get to field goals. Should we be worried about Justin Yoon? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on anymore. I, I genuinely don't like. Does Does it not feel weird that after like his freshman season, he was we were all hyper aware of where and what Justin Yoon was doing and where, like when it was happening, when he was getting on the field, when there was any kind of just general like performance issues or not, like we were all hyper aware of his presence and it seemed like the media was too, right? I feel like the media could sense that the fan base was totally bought in. Then his sophomore season happened and it's like, we all stopped caring. We all just kind of just stopped. <laughs> I don't really know what happened. Like he did nothing bad happen. We all just kind of stopped giving a shit. Then last year was just kind of like, Oh yeah, there he is. All right, cool. And now it's uh, for some reason you see him come back and it's like what we, what you, what you saw was not really anything in that, that re- resembled a progression It's more. So he's just kind of like he was there. Then he really kind of wasn't Then he was, but now I don't really know what's happening. It just kind of feels like, I, I don't know. He, maybe, maybe something happened. Maybe, you know, maybe the program or maybe just the experience got in his head or maybe at some point, I know he was injured for a little while last year. Like right. maybe that kind of derailed his confidence. I'm not sure what, but it just kind of seems like he's not the same just in uni. He's not fresh out of the package. Like he was as a freshman. Now it's just kind of seems like, he, you know, we're, we're just kind of trying to keep him alive at this point. <laughs> I don't really know. 
I don't know why it feels that way, but it does. Does it not? Oh, the only thing that worries me with him, I mean, hopefully he got everything out of his system, whatever it's practice. And I'm sure he doesn't even care about it. It's like, whatever, I missed two field goals, but he ended the game with a 46 yarder. So, I mean, it's not like he 100% sucked, but he made two field goals you're used to making so much so that the broadcast already said, yeah, right down the middle, up and in. And you can hear the layout of the guy realizing that, no, he he completely shanked it short. Shanked it to the right. Oh, missed. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, um, it, it's it was weird to see that in general because you you just expect so much more out of him because he has been so consistent. Really, that says a lot about Justin Yoon. Field goals have yeah. generally not been an adventure with him, which in college football and college hashtag college kickers, that's about all yeah. you can ask for is for that not to be an adventure. He single handedly kept us alive in the Georgia game, so yeah. we expect good things from him. The only thing that worries me was that there was a point in time to where uh, Kelly had answered a question about him going for outside coaching, if there was any concern. And then Kelly said, well, it's like a a golf player going to their swing coach. He just went to basically his swing coach to where Mm -hmm. my mind is like, look, I've heard that from a certain Tiger Woods of him trying to fix his swing. And then he just gets in his own head. So that's the only thing that concerns me is that. He, he's he's not letting the talent take over and that he's worried or people around him are worried that there's there's other heights he can attain to when he just needs to, you know, just do what he's been doing and nothing yeah. needed to be fixed, really. So yeah. that that's my only concern is that he's sitting here going to swing coach the hell out of it. I mean, look, it's not just a kicker thing. I felt the same thing about Whitfield and quarterbacks going to him and again, having to do all the freaking Jedi training techniques out there playing fucking blindfolded with brooms and then they all every single one comes out of his camp the next season and shits the bed down to Heisman winner Johnny Manziel and look yeah there's yeah look that guy may have been sorting more stuff up his nose than he ever needed to in a lifetime but there have been plenty (laughs) of pro athletes that have ingested some weird shit and have performed just fine there's a lot more evidence saying that this guy may have just been fucking up quarterbacks. I'm just going to throw it's that out possible. there. Uh, but yeah, that's my main concern with you. And the fact that he closed it on, he had the longest field goal he attempted all day was at the end of the game. He made it again. These are non-pressure situations. So that's again, where you're like, well shit, what happens when the pressure's on? What if it's a game winning field? Yeah. goal? But I mean, we've seen him under pressure. We assume he can do it, but that was, that was not inspiring any confidence to say the least. No, not really. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk defense. I mean, I'm at that point in the in the stat sheet right now. Uh, sure. I mean, look, not that a this box. Is always the harder part, right? It's always the harder part for the spring game, I think. Yeah, look, I mean, Drew Drew Tranquil, your leader on the day with tackles. Like we we had already said that basically the yeah. linebacking core uh, was the one uh, that was doing a great job all day long. Uh, Gilman had a forced fumble uh, earlier yeah. in the game. He uh, he did well. Uh, your interception uh, was yes, it was Elliot uh, that had it. So uh, Tillery looked like a beast. He, he, man, he's, he's filling out. You see him? He's like, cut of shit. You see him? Well, it's, and, and it really looks like one of those things because they talk about him moving to the three technique, which is basically he's going to pass rush now. He's not going to be yep. Lewis Nix. So when, you, yep. when you're doing that, now your diet changes. The way you're yep. built needs to change. And yeah, he cut down quite a bit because now it's, I don't have to fill space. I just got to blow past somebody. And he was already doing yep. that when he was double teamed for the most part. Yep. He was doing a great job of still getting penetration. And now it's pin your ears back. Go for it, man. I'm excited for that. I am so mm-hmm. excited for that. Uh, and yeah. look, 
and it's weird to say, you know, look at sack numbers because again, <laughs> book got sacked seven times. Some of that was literally him running into it. Some of it was, yeah. uh, you know, some two was a referee. Somebody sneeze. Yep, that's a yeah, snack. Yeah. Yeah. And then there were some twos on the line that definitely looked like twos. So there's, sure. it's so hard to judge, but I, I think in general, I, I, I the pass rush, I, I still feel like is going to be one of these things to where it's a work in progress. I feel like our our front four is going to be better than it was last year, just with yep. the amount of talent that we're able to put. And I think we got people in the right positions. Um, and look, if Tavon Coney can have a season like what he had last year, if Tranquil is able to adapt to his linebacker position like he should, I mean, yep. th- there's a lot of good things that can be there, but the biggest question mark is I mean it's and it's forever going to be until we see otherwise it's going to be the the safeties and the and the DBs. There's just it's no. almost always specifically the safeties. Yes. <laughs> hey, and look, hey, here's the thing: they gave up over 600 yards of passing. Okay, that's yeah. it's too. If you saw that, that's let's put it this way: we saw a Big 12 game break out. Okay, this was like yeah, a Big 12 much. practice that broke out. So, yes, yeah. the numbers are a little inflated, but that's kind of what you see. And there's one of two explanations to it. One is that the offense is really going to give people fits this season, which is great. Two, it's, okay, the defense is was too vanilla. Maybe they're not good enough right now. Maybe mm-hmm. Clark Lee's debut is, is, should be uh, cause for concern. But there's only so much you can read into it, and, and really you don't want to show your cards all at once. Yeah. Lee's not going to bring out every last exotic blitz and basically give Harbaugh loads and loads of film to sit here and look at. And the offense is keeping things vanilla as well. So, I mean, what is your temperature on it? Because this today definitely belonged to the offense, not just yeah. with whatever funky scoring that was going on the day. 100% belonged to the offense. How are you feeling? And, and I know it's hard to take a read from practice, but yeah, that's the thing. Maybe like, Coming in, like you knew Elko left, Lee took over before spring, and now where are you at? Where do you, where do you feel your progression has gone? Is it is it on a decline? Or are you buying or selling, basically, Shane? I, I would say that I'm inclined, I'm inclined to buy at this point. I, I didn't really know what to expect. And it's Clark Lee's first year as a coordinator, really, of any kind, aside from the linebacker's coach. So, you know, you don't really, I don't really look at that then, I think, and think, oh, what, what am I owed? Therefore, am I getting it? You know, I, it's more so I just kind of wait and see. Uh, whether or not, A, I think above all, the players respond positively to the new coaching situation, because, um, again, it's not really their their choice or their option. Um, and, and from what I can tell, it's overwhelmingly positive. Like, the the, the, the defensive players seem to kind of rave about Clark Lee. Um, I remember seeing on Twitter afterwards that there were comments that were saying, like, it doesn't get better than him yeah, firsthand from starters on the defense. Um, so that was my first concern. I wasn't necessarily worried about anything else other than whether or not they'd buy him. And then secondly, whether or not they can then uh, continue to uh, do what they did last year or at least kind of build off of what they did last year under Mike Elko. Um, and it seems like they're they're at least in place enough. Um, there's at least enough trust in him and his coaching uh, style that they could easily translate that since he is an Elko disciple. Um, so I, I wasn't necessarily worried too much about it. But then after watching today, like, the defense seems like they still keep it pretty together. Like they, they, they have a, a, another decent role for Drew Tranquil. Um, it's not quite the perfect prototype position like it was last year with him at Rover. 
but it seems like he's in a good place. Although I will say there was an oddly distracting commentary line that they kept bringing up and how beefy he looked. They kept calling him thick Did you, <laughs> during the spring game. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. I could I not, I could not let that go. <laughs> because it was so distracting. It's like, are you saying he like went to the weight room and like are, bulked are up? They say he's got them curves. Yeah. I, I can't tell. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. You, you feel like he went to the dining hall after the training table. I mean, what are you trying to imply here, Flutie? No. It's funny. They said he looks thick, and then they try to play it off. Oh, it's probably like an extra five pounds. It's like, no, 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 dude. This guy, this guy caught your attention. You're, you're, you're looking something. Something's off for you, buddy. <laughs> well, again, it know. is, it is Doug Flutie, and which, by True. the way, he was introed into the game, and I forget who was actually doing play by play of that. He, no better person to break it down. I just freaking laughed. I'm like, oh great, no yeah, you got the expert. Yeah. You've clearly watched uh, a lot of, of games where he's commentated. It's like, there's if he, no one better. Uh, look, I mean. And I said it last year. If he's talking about quarterback mechanics, quarterback play, he's in his zone. He's sure. fine. When he starts yeah. veering off into his line by that boy thick or some weird into thing. linebacker thickness. Oh my I don't God. know, man. And kind of, you kind of lost the rails there. But, but anyway, the, the only person that could pull that off was John Madden because he is the only yeah. human alive that could get you interested in how much sweat was coming off an offensive lineman's ass. And you didn't think it was weird. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, nobody else is in Madden territory, so don't go veering into there, Flutie. You're not even close to being there yet. <laughs> but anyway, no, this, yeah, that was that was very, very distracting and very weird. But no, <laughs> it, other, other than that, like it, it, they seemed like they were, you know, like again, they couldn't really take a, a too much away from the game. But in terms of the vanilla stuff that they did show, what they did have in terms of the ones versus the twos, the DBs seemed a little bit scattered. Uh, the D line did hold their own pretty well against the offensive line, although the offensive line kind of still had their way most of the day, and the linebackers were kind of lights out which is which is at least good to see um so i i would just take away from it in terms of what my trending is is that i'm gonna guess it's gonna continue to trend up into the fall i'm already i'm at least uh confident enough that they can build off of what they did last year under elko and hopefully they can put even an even better squad on on, on the field in the off uh, in the in the fall but I mean, from what you, in terms of what you take away from today, not a, not a ton, but I'm still I'm 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 confident. I, I'm at least willing to see where it goes. There's there's no I have no BVG itch of any kind. You know what I mean? so I'm okay so far. Yeah, I, I think like I'm I'm level. It's more of I'm I'm holding whatever stock I had last year because it's mm-hmm. it's still one. It's too early to tell. There is a little bit of that going on. It is a little bit too early to tell right now as far as. Because while a lot of basically the entire defense is returned, but the yeah. pieces have shifted around a little bit. And yes, you got another, you got a different guy calling shots. I mean, that that's just, there's no two ways about it. And that's still an unknown quantity right now as in how good he's going to do. How is he going to adjust during the game? How well is he going to be the one that makes adjustments, you know, in the second half? Uh, mm-hmm. That's, that's all stuff we don't know about. And, you know, Gilman is now in, in the safety rotation. Looks like he all but won a job as a safety position and if there's one spot where i feel like freshmen could really really make an impact it would be in that defensive backfield in the defense as well to where you might be able to see i don't think starters are going to happen in there but you can see a little bit of a rotation coming in there that i i do see being a possibility so i think that it's obviously going to be too early to tell but i don't feel like there was a huge decline but like i said that book bomb that gave me like recurring nightmares about what happened at stanford that didn't help I won't lie. No, that did not help. Really. That didn't help my confidence <laughs> because I felt like that's a play Crawford should have made. And, and, or at least 
maybe not make because he's still going against Claypool, but one that um, he should have been able to have a better effort. He just looked lost. Better position. And, and what yeah. I don't want to see, like, look, it's one thing when you just get plain beat. Like, when yeah. I talk about getting plain beat, the, the Georgia touchdown catch, it ended up being the winning touchdown. Dude just made an incredible play. At some point, the offense, you know, kind of, I feel like the offense kind of has an advantage in football, including, you know, in penalties and, you know, OPI barely ever gets called. And Chase got away with one big time that got called on yep. the defense uh, later on in the game. But, you know, that, eventually uh, somebody's going to make a good play over you. There's only so much you can do. Same thing with a defender, but that doesn't seem to happen as often in the game. So look, if you get beat, that's one thing. If you just get plain beat, you were in position, you did absolutely everything you could. Look, tip your hat. There's just nothing you can do. Try to get them on the next play. When you just look lost, which happened way too often last season, that's where I start to get a little bit concerned. Like, like I said, that's where the Stanford nightmares came. It was because Notre Dame lost that game in part that safeties couldn't turn around, figure out where these lame ducks were because those should have been picked off and run back for touchdowns every damn time. Instead, they were touchdowns for Stanford and to see us do that to our own secondary was kind of like, "Ah, I don't feel good yeah i feel good guys. That, yeah it's like I, i'm starting to feel like i need another drink in here but yeah so yeah. i i do see a little bit of marked improvement you know i guess if we compare it to Wimbush, you saw some strides like there's some yeah. things there that give you a little bit of hope that you, you don't feel like everything's lost completely so uh, i'm hoping that's what it ends up being there's definitely a lot of talent on this team uh like i said i'm really like i'm all in on tillery that's 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 what oh, yeah. i like whatever that, that ranking tough. comes back out he he might vault pretty high in my list. Look, I called it with Cody. I'm hoping I can call it with Tillery here because it, it, there's been praise thrown around him like crazy. And you could see why in that game, even though he didn't have like ungodly numbers, he's going to be a nightmare for opposing offensive lines. And I can't wait. Yeah, yeah he looks really good. All right. Well, I mean, Shane, you got anything else on uh, the lovely practice that we had here? No, you know, it was, it was fine. I mean, it, again, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the fall. Obviously, um, it's it's back to kind of break mode now that we're we're going to be all focused, I guess, NFL draft here in in the next couple uh, of weeks or, or days rather. Um, but no, I, other than that, I mean, I, I'm happy to see them. I always love seeing the, the blue goal game. I'm just getting a chance to kind of just uh, take in the showcase or what have you. But um, I, I'm more so uh, excited to see uh, them beat the crap out of Michigan. That's basically number one. That's all I care. Oh about. yeah, they, they can't, in our Discord, which again, folks, herlittlesons.com slash Discord. Uh, the, the countdown already began in there yeah. as, as soon as it was over. Um, you know, the the jumbotron yeah. had Notre Dame, Michigan popping up on the screen uh, on the on the lovely big board that's up there now, and it's like 133 days. Fuck Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, we're basically. already going strong. Yeah. Uh, so yes. I can't wait. Obviously, now that we got some more football to talk about, we're going to try to see what we can do about getting around the horn a little bit more often. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, man, I don't know about you, but Jesus, Shane, life has been whipping my ass. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's kind of unrelenting. That's the way that works. Yeah. yeah, And at least I feel better that it's not just us. It seems to be like all the HLS staff. It's like all at Everybody. Everybody's like. Everyone. Yeah, that's like. 
it, it, I'm almost waiting for the point to where somebody comes up to me. It's like, Hey, Hey, you still got the sight on, right? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> yes, yes, we're, we're, we're going to do what we can. And, and as, as things ramp up, obviously stuff will be coming out more. I know Bayou has got a recap that should be coming out tomorrow. Uh, the podcast version of this will probably either be out Sunday evening slash Monday morning when I can get around mm-hmm. to editing it, because that's, that's also the part of being able to do this live on Twitch that I like. It's like, Hey, the podcast on Twitch. You can go get it right now. If you want it yeah. on your podcast right. feed, just wait a couple of days so I don't have to stay up because, folks, I kid you not, sometimes things go wrong on the podcast where I do. I try to make it sound as good as possible. And look, spoiler alert, I only kind of know what I'm doing. Shocking, right? <laughs> so, you know, I'm yeah. sitting here. I'm trying to make it sound as good as possible. And then all of a sudden I look down. It's like freaking 2 a.m. after we get done recording. Yep. I'm like, oh, shit. So, yeah. I, I would like that not to happen very often, uh, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. I got the kiddos sleeping mostly through most of the night right now, so yeah. I, I'm slowly but surely getting back into a little bit of routine. Little okay, sex nice. is going to start school soon. I can't believe preschool is oh, about to be a thing. He's like in a bridge class now where it's basically daycare. He had a test day, okay. so now it's like, okay, we like it. We'll send him there, and we'll start to be going there. Got a couple of weddings to deal with, all kinds of other oh stuff. But man, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to feel my age, and that sucks. Ah, uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, but hey, I, I like to, you know, see that you're selling to the new digs. Like, it looks like uh, you've been yep. doing some artwork back there, Shane. Yeah, I got an easel. It's something that's run in my family. It's like we've always, we've all been kind of like uh, artists slash painters uh, here, here, there. Also, the, my 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 other half is also very much into painting and art. So we we we've kind of fully embraced it. We got. This easel, I think we got like two others. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of like this, this desk is set up right in front of the area where we where we do our painting to a, to an extent. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, I I, yeah. I have like well at one point we'll have to like bring paintings on here just for the freaking hell of it since now we got a visual medium because I'm not yeah. very good at it. I did one thing in high school that that was yeah, solid, and then I'm like <laughs> retiring on top. It don't yeah, get any never, better. Than never this. gonna get better than this. Done. We're done. <laughs> All right, well, folks, uh, that is gonna wrap it up for us. Thank you so much for joining on, especially if you. Join us live here. Twitch.tv slash HerLoyalSons is where you can do that. Join us on Discord. That is our live chat channel. HerLoyalSons.com slash Discord. Of course, make sure you subscribe and review, if you will. We'll make sure to read them on the show. That's on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Podbean. Of course, you can always find us at HerLoyalSons.com. Follow me at NDTech, Shane at Superman TD Jesus. And of course, go Irish. Fuck Michigan. Have a good one.